This is Runehammer. climate change in early prehistory. But in fact, they were a byproduct of a strange relic, a natural artifact called the Anchor. This massive stone, which stood at the center of the planet where a molten core should be, was ice cold. But colder than any common ice, it was unwarmth, the end of all heat, indeed, of all life. And when its power outgrew its scope, it would encompass the entire world in a cask of frozen doom. But one thing was capable of thawing this strange relic and returning the world to its balanced state, a tiny machine found its origins somewhere off-world, somewhere in the dark spaces between the stars. This machine was called the RPG Mainframe, and those who pursued it were never seen again. It is said to be somewhere deep in the earth, not quite to the center, but not at the surface, in the labyrinth of tunnels between. And there, our adventure begins. Greetings, programs. Hey, it's old hankering for now, yo, buddy here. Living up in northern Runehammeria. Although it's hard to call this Runehammeria right now because it's like sunny out and everything's all green and nice. So <laughs> it isn't actually, uh, it isn't much of a frozen wasteland as you would expect from a place called Runehammeria. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Woo! It is the beginning of July. It's 2018. How freaky is this? It's almost con time. The cons, they be a coming. I'll be conning around the mountain when I con. Anyway, hey, you guys, I've been working on a ton of things. A ton of things. And it has led me to a realization which I hope you find to be beautiful. But I wanted to share it because I think that there are some terms being tossed around about people who work on lots of different things. And I want to, A, blast them out of the water, screw these terms, because sometimes the derivative and reductive terms that are used for groups of people really get my goat, especially when it involves creativity and intelligence and being unique and awesome and badass. And I'm not going to stand for it any longer. But then secondly, I want to talk about how to use my spin on this. Okay, so the term that I want to tear down right now 
for people that are working on, you know, they they got they're building a vintage motorcycle. They're also caring for their red Japanese maple tree. They're also writing a D and D module. They're also uh, taking a cooking class so they can make some souffle. They're also doing taekwondo on Tuesday nights and all this stuff. The, the, the joke term that is tossed around for this kind of person is that they have ADD, right? And then also there are people doing different things in life that you, know, you can or can't maintain your attention or your interest in a thing for X amount of time or X amount of achievement and therefore you have ADD in air quotes, right? And I am tired of this term. Now there are some people out there who have a clinical situation with ADD that is very difficult for their life and it's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not real. But to throw this term around, I'm done with it. No more ADD. I'm going to replace this term from this day forward with ASS. ASS. And you can interpret that acronym as you choose. But this is the attention surplus syndrome. I don't have an attention deficit. I have an attention surplus. Yo. So get your terms straight. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the Runehammer podcast. Let's get into this sucker. Okay, attention surplus syndrome. This is not a disorder. It is a power. This is not a weakness. This is a capability. This is not something to lament. It is something to celebrate. And a lot of the people that I enjoy being around and who are trying and striving and growing and expanding and experimenting and being creative and being awesome and being social and then also hiding in their hole and then disappearing and going camping and then coming back and then remodeling their kitchen. The, the people that I like to hang out, people living vibrant lives, they have attention surplus syndrome. They are interested in lots more things than they have time to fully explore. That's the surplus. See, if your attention level is perfectly fit to the amount of time you have to do what you want, you have neither a deficit nor a surplus. You're right there in the, in the monkey hole. You're, you're in harmony with your life's capability and your interests are in harmony with the time you have to pursue those interests. But if there's a deficit, that means you just don't have enough attention. You get distracted way too easily and you can never do the things you want. That's the condition we're all commonly uh, sort of familiar with, right? Oh man, it's just my ADD acting up. You know, blame it on my ADD, right? This term is all over our culture and it is being wildly misused. And not only is it a disservice to the people who are really suffering from the actual version of it, it also is reductive to the cool people who are into lots of stuff. And we will no longer use that term. We will, we will say they have an attention surplus. Okay, and so the, the big difference here is that you're not distracted you're over-engaged. You, you find fascination and potential in more things than you can take all the way to the bank, right? So I wanna get into mountain biking. So I go out and I get myself a dope mountain bike. I go once or twice and then like, I don't even go again until next summer. Is this somehow bad? Like, oh, that's just my ADD. I got into mountain biking for a few seconds there. No. That just means you're interested in a lot of stuff and you didn't necessarily have the time to go mountain biking every weekend all summer long. Because, you know, you also want to go camping, fishing, clamming, hiking. You know, you wanted to go to the turkey festival. Then there's the Scottish games. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you're over-engaged with life. Now, I bet a, a lot of you listening right here on Runehammer can relate to me right away. I think that dungeon mastering itself is uh, a, a bit of a crossroads for the over-engaged. It's multidisciplinary, and it's sort of open-ended. It's a never-ending thing, so it involves a lot of engagement. And it also can be modified and changed as the RPG landscape and supplement landscape changes and grows. The dungeon mastering is never done. It's, it's a great sponge for a highly interested or engaged mind. Dungeon mastering is a great hobby for super engaged people. And that's why I wanted to talk about attention surpluses. Not just because it's something personal to me, but it's personal to dungeon mastering. And that is the essence of what we talk about in the mainframe here on Root Hammer. And so being over-engaged to me is, I think, often jokingly like lamented. Like, oh, it's just, yeah, man, I can never get anything done because I got too many, I got 15 different projects going, all right, baba de boo. No, we're going to change this mindset now for you to think I'm awesome because I have 15 projects going. Hell, I want a 16th. Where is it? Give me this project. So to fully embrace our attention surplus, we're going to have some pitfalls and it's going to be a little bit crazy. Life's going to get a little bit bonkers when you just say, I'm running with this, man. I'm not hiding from it anymore. This is me. I'm going to be this. I'm going to take it to the, to the limit. Okay, so if you're in that mindset, like I am, you're looking up at your dry erase board and it has like a zillion ideas on it that you haven't gotten done yet or that you've only started, instead of lamenting that situation, what you're going to do is say, yes, but you're going to need some mental tools to get some of it done. Okay, just because you have this cool attention surplus, you're over-engaged in life, doesn't mean that it's satisfying to never really get deep into anything, right? It can be dissatisfying or you can beat yourself up about it. Like, man, I started that cool campaign idea. I got one page into it. I've never gone back to it. I'm such a schmuck. It's my ADD, right? This is a common thing we say to ourselves, but we're going to change this response in ourselves so that when we start something and don't finish it and it's sitting over there, it's awesome. It's another piece that we can be interested in. It's another thing that we can do. Or in the uh, absolute tabletop terms, it's another bucket that we can put work into at any moment. And the more buckets we have, the more we can ride the wave of our changing interests. So sometimes if you're all in on one thing and your interests change, you feel like you're abandoning your work, your creative work, right? Just because your interests change. But if those buckets are already there, if you already have like, <laughs> I don't know, mountain biking versus dungeon mastering, and so you start to lose interest a little bit in dungeon mastering, your mountain biking bucket is, is there. It's ready for you. You can hop in, put a little bit of creative energy into mountain biking, and then come right back to dungeon mastering and be refreshed. And this is tailoring your lifestyle, your choices, your interests, and your preparation of your daily life to your attention surplus. Instead of letting it ambush you or letting it beat you up, which is really what I want to you know, talk people out of, I guess. Do not beat yourself up because you have this attention surplus. You are an, a mentally luminous creature and you deserve to explore many more things than is conventionally described to us that we're supposed to, and again, air quotes, be interested in. Life is too amazing to be interested in one or two things. There are so many amazing things. But for some weird reason, we're expected to like specialize in life and go way into a thing. But I think that that expectation is changing in recent years and it's okay now to 
have a job for a year or two and then switch jobs entirely. It's okay to not make it to the, I've been here 20 years so I have seniority point. Who cares about seniority? I care more about interests and pursuits and finding out. Zen mind is the beginner's mind, right? So the more times that you can be a beginner at things, the more the Zen mind is going to be part of your daily life. And I think this is what the attention surplus is all about and why I want to encourage it. And so I want to talk about two things. It's really four things. But let's call it, we're going to do, two, we'll do two at a time. It's going to be like the, uh, the paradox of the tortoise, right? Before we get to the fourth thing, we have to get to the second thing. To get to the second thing, we have to get to the first. To get to the first, we have to get halfway. And so on. you just keep slicing it down. Okay, first of all, control it. You've got to learn to control your attention surplus. Now, on the one hand, you guys always hear me talking about, like, let the torrent flow. Like, like let your creative mind just blast. Just wander and be impetuous and unpredictable and wacky and just let it happen. Revel in your time, right? But with attention surplus in specific, if you don't control it and find ways to control it, it can get the best of you. If you have a hundred things on your dry erase board that you are working on, you probably don't have control of your attention surplus. And that's definitely going to lead to like beating yourself up. And, you know, being critical about, you know, oh, I never get things done and stuff like this. So you've got to control it. And how do you control it? Well, I've got like, uh, what, six little ideas to control attention surplus. The first one is you got to know your prime time. So prime time is basically when you're at your most creative, you're most focused, and you're the most like useful to yourself. So I know that a lot of the endeavors that I talk about are creative endeavors, right? But there can be other endeavors like athletics or exploration, or even career, um, you know, finance, and all kinds of things in your life. It's anything that you're interested in. But know your prime time. When during each day, every single day, are you the most useful to yourself? So maybe you do have a day job, right? So probably during those day job hours, it's not going to be in there. So is it before that? Is it after? Is it in the middle? Is it lunch? You know, like, not necessarily when are you the most useful, period, but the most useful to yourself. When are you the most satisfied with your self-investment? Is it your bike ride after work? Is it writing down in your DMs journal before work? Do you maybe not have a day job and so that you know that it's early afternoon when you have your first beer? You have like your brain has a little bit of bubbles in it and you, you always have a creative moment. You've got to know that prime time. That's the first step. Know it and then use that. Use that prime time to work on your numerous buckets and you're going to find yourself reaching completion. Okay, secondly, compartmentalize your stinking social media. So you guys know me, I love social media. I think it's a revolution in human thinking. It's beautiful, but it can derail every single thing we care about in life <laughs> if you're not careful. So I'm not saying get away from it. I'm saying compartmentalize it. And the way that you do that is you, you do lots of it in a, in a block. And this isn't necessarily like, you know, rules to live by, but even to work toward this goal can really help you. So it's like, oh yeah, I do all my sort of communications in the morning at nine o'clock. I, I try to do it, you know, that, that could be an example, right? Or I do all my communications at the end of the day. And I get, you know, get back in touch with everybody and catch up on all my cool social. I find out where all my Instagram stuff that I like is going on. And I look at all the pictures on 
Etsy for, you know, D&D terrain and all this kind of stuff, right? So compartmentalize that, especially so that it doesn't impugn, or impugn's the wrong word, impinge on your prime time. Your prime time is when you do not want to be looking at Facebook. Facebook is not evil. It's just, it has a place and it shouldn't be in your, your most creative moments that you're just kind of browsing Facebook. That's not cool. If you're joining me in this idea that I want to have an attention surplus and I want to get more things done. Otherwise, I mean, look at Facebook anytime you want. <laughs> okay, next we got delineating your projects and your rabbit holes. Make a clear line in your mind when you're getting interested in things. If this is going to be a project that you're going to do or execute or create, or if you're just interested in a thing and you're just going to kind of look into it a little while. That's not a project. That doesn't need to go on your board, right? That's just something you're interested in. A great example for this is that I had a phase about a month ago where I was fascinated with 19th century murder mysteries. Now, I wasn't going to write a book that was a murder mystery. I wasn't going to do an adventure or an RPG about 19th century murder mysteries. It's none of that stuff. I just went on a little research tirade for about a week, just on the internet, learning about 19th century, you know, real life murder mysteries and, and, and some of the oddities and the quirks and the weird cases and stuff like that. But when it's, I'm just, my interest is, is petering out, my attention is petering out, I'm done. I was mildly interested in it, and now I'm done. You know, I had one of these with like tank design at one point too. I was interested in how tanks are all designed and the different types of designs over the decades. And okay, I'm done. I'm not going to go make tanks. I'm not making a tank RPG. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. It's just an interest. <clears throat> and that's part of your attention surplus. Don't, you know, don't be mistaken. That is part of this thing you have where you're interested in so many things. But it's just a quick little rabbit hole. It doesn't need to beat you up. So if you're not done, quote unquote, with your 19th century murder mystery research project, you can't beat yourself up for that. This is just a, a fleeting interest. Or maybe you want to watch, you know, uh, a Netflix show and you want to make it all the way through the end because you keep giving up on these Netflix shows. That's not a project. That's just something that you can just kind of... And therefore, do you see how useful primetime gets? You're not going to use primetime on this. You might use one of your favorite times during the day to research your own topics, but not prime time. Prime time is your creative output time. Okay, next one, and I really, really live by this one, as you guys know of me, is exploit your vices. If you want to find yourself finishing more things and living this attention surplus life in a more effective way, you're going to have vices that are going to stand between you and getting things done. And those vices could be you know, alcohol, it could be eating, it could be taking long walks, it could be watching TV, it could be, you know, reading. You know, a vice doesn't have to be like a really negative term. It's just something you enjoy doing that you habitually enjoy doing. But what I want to invite you to do is utilize this. Vices are a really powerful force in our lives to form habits and patterns. And if you can use them rather than be used by them, they are really powerful creative fuel. So if you take my case, for example, I really like to have a beer or two every day. I love a cold beer in the afternoon. I just love it. I admit it. I'm a grown man now and I don't have to hide about it anymore. <laughs> this is my business. This is not alcoholism. It's just that I like to have a cold beer in the afternoon. It's just that simple. And what I do, that has become linked to my prime time. So I have this kind of 
guilty pleasure that I want to go get a beer. It's about three o'clock and I kind of, maybe I could sneak off and get a beer, right? That's a vice talking. But what you're actually doing, if you use your vice to create a creative bubble for yourself, is you're using that, I want to sneak off or I want to get away with something to actually go do one of the most important and productive things in your life, which is engage in your own interests. So the vice becomes this sort of excuse or this tunnel or this doorway that leads you down into your creative self and into your prime time, into your attention surplus self, which is getting more things done because they become linked. And believe me, no matter how creative, how productive you are, nothing will motivate you quite like a vice. The vice is the reason that we do so many things that we do in life. So if they become connected, these habits become more and more firmly ingrained and your, your creative habit will become more firmly ingrained and that's when you become more and more exponentially more productive because it becomes part of your daily life. And you're gonna see those projects getting checked off on that dry erase board and disappearing and it's, you're gonna feel good instead of that beating yourself up feeling, which I know I do even though I preach against it. Like, man, you're never, you, don't, you should have that thing done by now. You guys know that feeling. Okay, so two more. First, stop. Take a break. If you truly do have attention surplus, you probably are like me sometimes, where you're just so all in on things, you look up and you haven't even breathed or eaten food for like 10 hours because you're all into this stuff. So get some good break habits. Take some breaks, but secretly in parentheses, I kind of hear one say, like, never stop. Never quit being awesome. Go all the way. But taking breaks and breathing can make you smarter. That's clinically shown. Like being under-rested while trying to do creative work, you do less in, in, with far more effort. So learn those break habits. Really simple one there. And then finally, and this one's a little odd, but I recommend collecting physical media in your, produce, in, your, in your pursuits. Physical media, rather than collecting digital media. Digital media, I really feel, can be sort of toxic to the attention surplus mind because it's so easy to hoard massive amounts of it like PDFs. And I know there's a lot of people out there that collect PDFs and they are looked at once and they go in these massive files with these huge collections of PDFs and that's all cool and fine and dandy, but I don't think it's gonna help you finish things. Whereas physical media, they take a minute to reach you. So you have some delayed gratification there that's good that can build rhythm in your life. Then also they take up space in your house. So you have a limited number of these physical media objects that you can possess at a time. Another one is that there's something much more completable about physical media, like a book. You can finish it in, in a much more focused fashion, I feel, than a PDF, which you tend to skim after the first 10 pages or so. And so I just wanna suggest this, just give it a try, let me know what you think. You know, like, does collecting physical media over digital change the way you engage with your interests? And, and I would posit that yes, it does. Okay, so those are all my tips on how to control your attention surplus because if you can control it, you can harness it. Instead of this feeling of being bullied by your own surplus of attention, it's more like this weapon that you wield in the war against your to-do list. Okay, now secondly, I don't wanna just say control it, but I wanna say use it. Utilize it, utilize it, utilize it. Your attention surplus is one of the most powerful intellectual capabilities in the human race. 
to be luminous enough to be interested in widely varying subjects, it must be utilized. This is an awesome capability that you either developed on your own or kind of stumbled into or were maybe genetically predisposed toward. And I have two tips. First one, done with things is more important than perfect things. Take a look at Alan Barr of um, Gallant Knight Games. This guy just churns out games. Are they the hugest, most you know, fully realized gigantic books with the most rules and the most? No, they're kind of small. They're like almost nano games. They're, you know, he calls them minimal in some ways. They're not minimal. I think that's the reductive, honestly. They're beautiful products. But he just goes from one to the next to the next to the next. And I know that he looks back on his work and says, well, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. But when you look at the lexicon of all that work put together, the collection, the sum total, it is amazing. And he could have easily spent three years working on one book rather than three months working on a book and move to the next one and have 12 books. So I recommend doing this. Look into done being better than perfect. Finish your stuff. Don't worry about perfection. Finish your stuff. Just by finishing over time, each thing will be closer to perfect rather than hounding on the perfection and never getting that satisfaction of being done. Being done is where you get your dopamine hit. That's where you reinforce yourself. I'm a creative person. I have fun doing this. I finish my projects. They're cool. I want to do another one. Bibop shabop. Life goes on. I do it again. I did it a little better. Look, this is a great pattern to be into to positively reinforce yourself as a creative person living a creative life. So consider done is better than perfect. And finally, utilize attention surplus by cross-pollinating. Cross-pollinate all your interests. The person who's only interested in Greek mythology is going to be vastly more limited in their ability to be creative than the person who is interested in Greek mythology, Norse mythology, you know, Chinese poetry, existential literature, you know, Metallica, Slipknot, you know, Gordon Ramsay's, <laughs> Charles Mingus, <laughs> and barbecuing. <laughs> this person can cross-pollinate all of the, these interests in their creative work to get more nuance and more depth. But be aware of it. Do it cognizantly. Do it at the surface of your mind, not on accident. I'm interested in 25 things. I'm sitting down and I'm writing a fantasy adventure. I bet I could take little bits from all my interests and throw them in here. That's cross-pollinating. Do it because it's cool. And smart people do it. Now, so we've talked a ton about attention surplus, about how to get the most out of it, how to control it, how to utilize it. And most importantly, this is a great way to talk to yourself about who you are and what you are. I am a person with an attention surplus. I am fascinated with more stuff than I have time to master. Hell yeah. That, to me, is the most important message of this podcast. Hell yeah, you are awesome. Live that way. Embrace it. And I just, as a final thought, want to say, like, leave the judgment behind on this stuff and own it. I know this is like a mantra, but you guys know how I am. I believe in positively reinforcing yourself with words like a mantra. I have an attention surplus and it's badass. I have more mental absorption than I literally have hours in the day. This isn't a problem. This isn't a shortfall of some kind. This is awesome. That's why it's not called attention surplus syndrome. It's called, a or I mean... Sorry, that's why it's not called attention surplus disorder. It's not a disorder. 
It's a syndrome. It's a way. It's a thing that tends to happen. It's a pattern. It's a lifestyle. Leave judgment behind on this. There is no judgment and own it. And own it also means standing up for other people who are beating themselves up with the ADD kind of misused term. Standing up for them, informing them about their surplus. It also means never apologizing for your side of things. Right? You, you never apologize for the way you are. You're in a bar, drinking beer, reading a book, and writing a book simultaneously. You do not apologize. You are weird. You stand out. You're unique. Be it. Own it. Walk tall. Being smart is almost never openly in style. It is almost always seen as a little bit odd. And especially like doing it in public a lot, <laughs> that is owning it. Just get out there. You know, you're that weirdo whose, you know, third edition player handbook is poking out of your leather saddlebag on your vintage Harley, <laughs> right? And you've got your Transformers t-shirt on because you're interested in a lot of different stuff. You are not stereotypable. You're crazy. And just let the flag fly and own that stuff. You guys know, uh, if you know Runehammer, how strongly I believe in this. Be yourself. People will like it. They may think it's a little weird at first, but being yourself and being weird and being smart and luminous is good for everyone around you and good for you. And it's honesty and authenticity, which are the most important elements of any life well lived. So that's most of what I wanted to talk about for the attention surplus syndrome. So I just wanted to get this out here and throw out power words for y'all who are doing more projects than you're finishing. This is not a problem. It's a power. Own it. Okay? And after that big speech, woo, retention surplus. Very kind of Tony Robbins kind of feel today, right? We're going to get back to the mailbag next week because it's, it's brimming right now. So we're going to get back. And thanks everybody, by the way, for sending questions to the mailbag. So for next week, we're going to do all mailbag. Um, and then it's down to Atcon and Tacoma. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance to um, pop off a podcast with a guest from live from, uh, well, not live, but we'll record at AtCon and see if I can pull that together, okay? So anyways, you guys, so glad to talk about attention surplus today because just pulling these thoughts together out of the ether has taken some time and now I'm kind of feeling it. ASS, live it, own it, be it. This is Hank from Farinale. I'm signing off, you guys. I'll see you on the internet. Have a great weekend this weekend. May your dice roll high. Keep it real. Never steal. You always gonna get a deal. All right, strength, guys. See ya. Well, I don't really see you. I just hear you. You hear me. And then I read what you say. And we'll do that on the internet. Until then, Hank and Fernell, signing off.